0: Knowing him and making him known is our slogan of our team. And what a wonderful slogan it is. And what a wonderful messages we've had, starting with Steve uh, uh, on on Wednesday. You know, what what a time to be equipped in our world. I mean, in one sense, it seems like darkness and the lies are, 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 are crossing over the world, and people seem to just imagine. What, what, just simple truth, you've got your truth and I've got my truth, you know, and, and suddenly, all of a sudden there's no truth anymore. And and you can, we feel this a lot more, I must say, in Europe where uh, Christianity is something from hundreds of years ago. You know, in, I think in South Africa, maybe even America, there's still a lot of Christians testifying and churches testifying to the truth. And you know, if, when we listen to, to Rob, the challenges Rob has laid out for us of the unreached people and the unreached people, and you just look, if you look from outside as, as human beings, you know, it looks like we're not very effective. And I agree. I think there's maybe a basic unwillingness in all of us to go to dangerous places, like Rob said, or unknown places, uh, um, and, you know, and, and like I said, if you look from, from our side, I think he's, he's perfectly right. But there's always a God factor. There's always a God factor. You know, the Wycliffe Bible Translator report on their, on their uh, website, they, they reckon that it's only 145 million people, that's still a lot, but in the world who do not have any part of the Bible translated in their own. So, a lot. And that area has been done. And and the scripture that was also used is, is Matthew 24 verse 14, which says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, I do not believe, but that's my opinion, that the end and Jesus coming to fetch his bride is the same thing. I just want to say that. But, I mean, it's something you have to sort out in your heart you know, uh, uh, because I believe God, God has, got, has still got stuff up his sleeve. Him, him working and grabbing into the events of this world, uh, uh, getting coming to fetch his church. And as I believe, the two witnesses, the the hundred and forty four thousand Jews, and Jesus himself coming will still play their part as well. But the pathway to this, to our victory, is the church. Overcoming the evil one in the spiritual world, the, the the way to our to our victory. It says they, the brethren, Roman or, or um, Revelation twelve verse eleven says they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even faced with death. Now that means all of God's plans cannot happen until the church does its part. In breaking through and getting those spiritual victories, which will lead to the downfall of the devil and his hosts. And I believe in, we will see pockets of revival as we see this happen. We've seen many things, even in Holland and in Germany where we planted a church and we work a lot into Holland. Where pockets of things come and we've felt in the prayers, in the fastings, breakthrough before that. And then started seeing it in the spiritual so imagine if that what Leo and I think Rob challenged us to. Imagine if the priesthood of all believers would start getting up and fulfilling that role. Let ourselves be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Filling our role to be witnesses. And not just, as we were so wonderfully challenged tonight, not just the preacher, not just the big evangelist, not just, the, but every single one. I mean, imagine what God could do. I think that would pass the way for the revival that you see in Revelation 7 verse 9. You know, but now I want to say something else. Although we might have a difference of opinion, don't you think that there's any difference of unity in the heart of Rob or anyone else with me? We have a heart to see the lost saved. We have decided... They, uh, well, I must, I must maybe qualify that a bit, you know, because I heard that story yesterday with Rob taking out the brakes of a car, and just because my father used to say of me, he said, he said, Eddie has more courage than brains, which I think was a di- diplomatic way to say sometimes I'm stupid, you know, but... <laughs> I won't go as far as Rob taking out the brakes. I, I think this man is way more courageous than I am, you know. And, and I've, been, I've been so encouraged by the stories that, that, that God has done with him going to the ends of the earth. You, you know, he's not just done that on, in a car, he's done it on horseback. And he told a story once of a horse that the horse didn't want to stop. And so the horse also didn't have brakes, if I remember correctly. And this horse, and I mean, they gave it to him, and, he had, and at the end he said, Well, they, they decided to make the horse salami, turn it into salami, you know. <laughs> but, but I mean, the heart of it, you guys, it's not, you know, in, in this work, in the challenge that lays before us, it's not the goal to win arguments. It's the goal to win souls. And, it, and we are called, not, not into, our unity is not, you know, and this is a sad thing in Holland, where, the, where people think of the church as an as a, a, a organization of like-minded people. So the moment you change your mind about something, you form a new church. That's why in Holland, it's the only country in the world that I know that has more than 25 different reformed churches. We are not, we are, we are, we can have difference of opinion, but one heart, because we are not an organization, we're a family, you know, we're a family, and so I want to speak this morning about this thing, how does God reach a godless and seemingly unreachable person or world? How does God do that? Now, obviously, God uses you and me, and there's, there's, there's parts that he, that he has to do in us first. You know, there's a part that I have to play. Now, before anyone will listen to me, you know, you have to catch their attention. And I think when we start to work with God and we start bringing our sins and our past and our mistakes, we start bringing it under the blood of Jesus, you start to change. You start to change. You know, that, that which you allowed in your life, you no longer do. And people notice. People take notice. I remember when I, I used to go to school in Krugestorp, in Monas Monument. I heard they, they won the rugby cup again this year. You know, but, but uh, uh, um, I mean, when people saw me, I went to a rally of uh, Reinhard Bonker at the time. And some of the classmates, you know, this was this was like uh, uh, five years or four years after matric, the, the final year of the school. I mean, people were utterly shocked. I mean, there was, there, was some, there was a girl that was in, in last class of school with me, and I was walking, and my friend started laughing at me. I said, why are you laughing? He said, look there. And she was looking at me like a, And I said, you, yeah. This is impossible. You know. So, so what happens is people start to take notice. And then Steve challenges us. When God saves you, he's given you riches. God has given each of us so much. And the Bible then says it says in Proverbs 18 verse 16 it says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. So the moment we we start using it, God starts opening doors, opening eyes. People take notice, and it starts in small ways. Starts at your job. starts starts with your friends, with your neighbors, in your family. He you starts lazy, Man, what's about with you? You. Your chains, changed, there's, there's something with you, and they, they, they're not able to identify this, okay, now, you know, and, and in this world, this method of, of the, the world that we're in, where you say, oh man, God, will we still reach this world, because if it depends on us, I think we'll be here the next 2,000 years, and we will be no further, if it depends on us, But you know, Israel was in a similar situation where they, the temple was destroyed. They were taken into captivity into a a foreign land. They lost all that which God had given them. They were ruled by godless rulers. And then that godless world leader, Nebuchadnezzar, his attention was caught by the gifting of one of God's people. Now, you all know the story. And you all know with Daniel, Daniel, uh, he wanted to kill all the wise men, and, and then Daniel came. God revealed the dream, Nebuchadnezzar's dream and explained to him from the beginning, from then right up to the end of time, what is going to happen. And Nebuchadnezzar was just totally amazed at this. You see, in Daniel two, and verse forty six and, and, and seven and forty uh, eight. He he, he gives his reaction. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, surely your God is a God of gods, a Lord of kings, a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Verse 48, then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. So, so he used his gifting, God made room, God gave him opportunity, and you see the result is amazement even within an ungodly world leader, but he's still not saved. You see, I think sometimes we like to impress the unbelievers. We like to show them. We like to say, well, I prayed for this guy and he got healed. And they're amazed. But that doesn't mean they're saved. And, 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 and sometimes we stop there. Sometimes it's an over-reliance on that, oh, that touch of God or that, that, that miracle or something that God will do. And how surely, surely they will know now. But you see what's just amazed But still, very much ungodly. You know, there was. There's more. The world needs more than just for us to impress them. You know, I mean, if there's there's many guys in Europe, and or we we, come, that look at me, and or they got to know me, they think this is a strange guy. They might be right, (laughs) but that doesn't. They don't get saved by that. But it has caught their attention. You see, it has caught their attention. So more is, needed. more is needed. I think the more we allow God's blood to cleanse us and to change us, the more he will work through us individually. But you see now, I, I can be that lamp. I can be that light in my living room or around me. But God wants more. They, overcome the, they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. So we share about him. Now, Paul shared this wonderful story about uh, um, witnessing, you know, at the the gas station, or the petrol station, whatever you want to call it, and they go separate cars, because his wife knows he takes so much time with that, my wife's a bit different, my wife's also, or my wife's very introvert, and she, you know, so it happens, we stop at the petrol station, and then she says to me, she says, Eddie, go tell those people about God, and I go inside, I said, hello, you guys, I said, listen, my wife has said, I must tell you guys about God, (laughs) I mean, I mean, you how oh, your wife has said so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to, you have to listen now, you know. <laughs> but you know, so we know the story of Nebuchadnezzar. What happens then further is is it the story where you, where he then raises up this idol. And, and today there's so many idols in the world, things that were, and and I say we want you to bow down to this. And then you got Daniel's friends, who refused to, eh, Sadrach, Mesach, and Abednego, who refused to do it you know, and, and you look at Daniel 3 verse 16, the reply that they, they said to the, to, uh, to the king, they said, Sadrach, Messach, and Abednego replied to the king, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter, if it be so, our God who is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, he will deliver, uh, uh, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king, but even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, we are not going to serve your gods and worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, I mean, you you see, we need to be unafraid. We need to be uncompromising. Otherwise, our witness will be polluted. And we'll lose our power We lose that, and there's lots of pressure on the church today to go with the whole gender thing, to go with the whole, uh, you know, marriage. Should we still acknowledge those things and uh, sex within marriage? But they do love each other and all that sort of nonsense. You know, we don't go the the biblical way. There are enough Christians and churches without power. We don't want to be those we want to be uncompromisingly so and you know you know what happened they got thrown into the fire we are not guaranteed that we will not suffer persecution But as a church now, 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 look what happens now to Nebuchadnezzar's reaction. Daniel 3, verse 24, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. You know, we have now here a corporate witness. Not just one person witnessing and drawing amazement, but a corporate witness. And I believe this is also a representative of the church, the local church, as the instrument of God to change the world. Where where suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar, okay, not just Daniel was the special person, but apparently there's a lot more. And not only that, there were three, and you know, the result is, when, when, when we witness like that, we see God and His angels stand when, with us when we're not ashamed, and God manifests His presence in our midst. This is something you cannot achieve by yourself, where two or three are gathered uh, uh, and agree that, again, that unity and that word is symphonio in the Greek, and where they are in symphony, in harmony with the Spirit. There, God manifests His presence, and the ungodly see it. First Corinthians 14 also says, hey, the ungodly will fall on their faces and acknowledge that God is in your midst. The ungodly notice this, and suddenly you don't have just the witness of a lamp on the table, but of a city on a hill. And now we see Daniel 3, verse 28, we see Nebuchadnezzar's response. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, blessed be the God of Sadrach, Meshach, and Abed-Nechel, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, yet healed it up their bodies, so as not to serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speak anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap. Inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. See what has now happened: when a people walked with God, when a people were in unity with each other and with the Spirit of God, the unbelievers take notice. And suddenly, after astonishment and amazement, respect comes. And there's great respect. Suddenly, respect comes you. You know, even at the the early church, it said people feared even to join them because they realized God was with these people. Now, even that on its own would not be enough to reach the, the unreached and the lost people of this world. You know what we needed what we need is God's part this is our part that, that was our part but God's part and there's a, there's, there's, we really need an absolute reliance on God that he will do his part and that that is what we are going to rely on him to do eternal work in the, in the next chapter of Daniel we see God confronting the prideness and the pride of, of Nebuchadnezzar. You know, and then then he witnesses there. It says, Daniel 4, verse 2. He says, It seemed good to me. Now, this is the world ruler, hey, to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. (laughs) Brethren and friends, we need to realize that every person needs an encounter with the living God. It doesn't matter if someone fully agrees with me or my doctrine or my rules or my ideas. It doesn't matter. They need an encounter with the living God. He was humbled a period of seven times, a complete work that God did. And then at the end of that, it says Daniel 4 verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven for all his works are true and his ways are just and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. And he now is saved, and we will see him in heaven. You know, now, my question is today is, Lord, what do I do? How can you and I be persons that, that are like Daniel and, and like Shadrach, Messach, and Abednego? How can our churches be like that? How, how, what, what, Lord, what needs to be done in me? You know, when when Rob challenged us at the end, I came forward because I said, Lord, Lord, I want to do, I want to be an instrument. I want you to use me, use the churches I'm allowed to have influence in. That, That no one will go by that you had on your heart and mind for us. What do you want us to do, oh God? What do you want us to do? You know, so how do our lives and our churches, how do we bring people to the point of an encounter, encountering with God? How do we become those vessels? Now, I want to quickly go through the hall of fame, of faith in Hebrews 11. And I just want to take one thing from a couple of those people. And, and then we can challenge ourselves and see if these things are in us. Now, Hebrews 11 verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken up that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained witness that before he's being taken up, he was pleasing to God. You know, if when our lives, when we start walking with God and you allow God to deeply cleanse you, you know, you bring to him everything that his spirit works in you. Not just we don't have to do those searches ourselves, let him do it. But allow him. And not one area in our lives keep unlocked. You know we will be well pleasing, and God will make sure that people in the world will take notice. God will make sure that they will take notice. Now Hebrews eleven verse four, it says, "By faith Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he's dead, he still speaks." Now that always has been to me an amazing story because these were the first two guys after Adam and Eve, the brothers eh, that walked the earth. Now, how did he know? His brother brought fruits. I mean, his brother made an effort, said, I want to bring, I want to make an offering, a sacrifice to God. And yet God rejected it. How was Abel's a better one? You know what I believe he did? He made sure that he brought to God what God wanted, not what he just thought, okay, I'll give that to God. How did he know? I think he, well, he didn't have many people to talk to except his mom and dad and his brother, and he didn't have Netflix to waste his time, or Prime Video, or whatever, or Facebook, or YouTube. Praise God for those times. Anyway, and, and, and they sat around the fire. I said, God, what happened? Oh, Adam, f- Dad, what happened? Yeah, we sinned. We thrown out of God's presence. And then what did God do? God slaughtered an animal because he covered us. We were naked and he covered us with skin. The living God, the creator of all things, killed an animal, shed blood. And I think he realized, for my sin, blood has to be shed. Later on, we know it, we read it, the soul is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no possible forgiveness. And he brought it to God. You know, so Abel searched to find it out what it is that God wants. Now, may I challenge you this morning, what is the sacrifice that God is asking of you? What is that? You know, I mean, we can so easily decide, okay, I'll just do something. But it will be of No avail. You know, because the need is great, but the need is not the call. We need to be called by God, and we need to be totally willing. I think if we're totally willing, God will make sure guys are going to go to the right places. But are we totally willing? Or would we rather do a Cain's offering, a sacrifice? I'm I'm giving God a lot, you know. I'm giving him this. I'm giving him that. I'm, I'm sure he's happy with me. There's more. There's more, you know? Hebrews 11 verse f- 7, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir, a heir to the righteousness which is according to faith. You see, Noah had this, this there, was, there, were only, there was so much sin, so much idolatry on the, on the earth, that there were only eight people, That we're willing to believe we need to get into this ark. Only eight in the whole world. And Noah, Noah had an absolute belief that unrighteousness will not prevail on this earth. That God will judge this earth and God will bring his righteousness. And therefore he spent 120 years building an ark. You know, I feel like this some days, but it gives me courage when I see the unrighteousness in the earth today. When I think about the murders, think about the abortions, think about the war, the lies. And then I know, Lord, your righteousness will prevail. You will grab, you will do your work on this earth. Hebrews 11 verse 8, by faith, Abram, when he was called, obeyed by going to a place where he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I, I said, sometimes we want to know exactly, you know, but Abram went not knowing. It's interesting. He knew by faith means he was certain God had said, go. He didn't know what was going to happen. He was certain. But, but he went, and it says, you know, Abraham was willing to leave his parents' house and his, and his land, his country, for what he believed God had for him. You know, do we really believe that that what God has got for us is worth more than this what we've got now? Do we really believe that? You know, I used to, like Paul, I was an accountant. I was a chartered accountant. I was 23 in this country when I was qualified. I wanted to be rich, man. I can't tell you. That was my, of course I wanted to do good things with my money. Of course. And then I saw that that idiot died on the cross with Jesus. And I thought, if I continue to live like this, I do not acknowledge what has happened on the cross. And in God's humor, when I said, okay, Lord, I'll go, for the next 13 years, I didn't get a salary. But God looked after me. And you know, you know when, I th- when I think, when I hear, I'm, I'm greatly encouraged by Robin Bridget, when I hear those countries, I mean, when God says, go to the end of the earth, I also said that and when I hear Mongolia, my goodness, minus 35, I ended up in Germany, I thought that's the end of the earth, and the raining, when I, all the rain and stuff they got there. You know, but but how about you? Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go to your elders and say, When there's a next outreach, is there something I can pray for? I want to save, not for my next new motorbike or my car. I want to save to support that. Are you willing? Are you willing to say, Is there anything, Rob, anyone of these guys, let me know? Is there someone specifically where I can sow into? I want to go. I'm not sure where this is going to end. It doesn't end. Abram didn't know neither. Oh, no either. He didn't know. But he went. It says, in verse nine, "By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking to the city which had foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So they dwelt as strangers. You know, I, I've seen, I went with just a suitcase. You guys, most of you know that, you know? And through the years, after those 13 years, we planted the church. This month, 25 years ago, Jim Lamont from this church laid a hand on us for eldership in, in Germany. You know, and but then about two, three years ago, started getting a normal salary. And you, you sort of said, God has given us a house, has given me a nice car, and everything. And I sometimes say, God's been so good to me, you know? This is this real? And I pinch myself. But then I think, Eddie, are you still willing to suffer uncomfortable, uh, being uncomfortable? Where's your heart? You know? But these guys lived in tents. They kept their eyes. You know, they lived as strangers seeking the heavenly reward. Basically, that's the call of God even to Adam and Eve. He said, if you eat of this tree of knowledge, you will die. You will, would have exchanged living for this life Therefore that which is for it to all eternity. May I ask you today, are you living for this life, for success in this life, or for success in all eternity? What are we living for? You know, and, and I think it's Hebrews 11, verse, verse 11, it says, By faith, Sarah. Herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore was born of one man, him as good as dead at the time, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sandwiches by the seashore. Now look at this because we know the story of Sarah. I mean in what doubt that woman must have been about not getting pregnant. I mean really, she was 90 years old. Yeah, and in those days, it was way more important than we count the general people think about it today. Everybody thought, you must have done something wrong. You're no good. I mean, she exhorted to, 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 to desperate measures. She said, please take Hagar, take my, take my servant, let she have a baby on my behalf. Do you feel that way? Do you feel God has called your woman? God has called your husband, but you—well, you're just sitting there looking pretty, or trying to look pretty. In your own mind, I'm talking about thoughts in your own mind, not in my mind. I'm serious. You know, but what desperate method, method have, or moves have we made? Or we look at another church, we look at another brother, we think, why are they successful? And we try, and we, we try, and push Hagars because we're getting desperate. But this woman found a place to put her trust in God, even though everything biological and scientific speaks, speaks against it. Everything. I don't want to lose heart. I don't want to lose heart, even if it takes long. I don't want to lose heart, you know, because these things lame us and pacify us, and we need to know that God makes all things work to good for those who love him, and you know, Sarah is just as important as Abram. Abram couldn't have made Isaac by himself. I think that speaks for itself. Hebrews 11, 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Moses' parents saw good in their children. I mean, even when your child has been a drug addict, like this sister testified, or has been running after what what knows, and you are desperate. Don't lose heart. See the possibilities. My mom prayed for more than 20 years for me. Do you know that? Do you know what terrible life I had while I all experimented in? I'm so glad she didn't stop at 19 years. That she's so good. And it says here, and, and they did not fear, not fearing the king's command. And this in our day is becoming more and more serious. Because at our schools, a teacher in our school was told by the whole thing that they were no longer to, to encourage the little girls to say you are girls and the boys to say they are boys. Because they can at some age decide for themselves. And so the teacher asked this person who was going around to the schools teaching them, saying, are you saying that that's what I should say to the children? So she said, yes, or do you want to be responsible for, this, for someone who, who, who commits suicide because of their problems in this area? I mean, what manipulation? Because one person, and it's sad when people have a trouble with finding their identity. It's sad. But you don't want to make a whole generation uncertain because there are a few that are uncertain. And parents, are we going to say, I want to go tell the people, you go to that teacher and you say, Listen. I am responsible for my child, not you. I'm not going to fear the king's edict. Because, and it's not rebellion. It's because we call on a higher authority. We call on a higher authority. Okay. Hebrews 11 verse 24 I'm not going to read it. It says, Moses would look to the eternal reward. Well, it's interesting. It said, considering, verse 26, considering the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. I mean, this is amazing, hey? That he chose inconvenience. He chose reproach instead of influence, power, money, temporal enjoyment. Hebrews 11, verse 28 he says, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he, uh, uh, he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. Now what, what, what touches me about this thing is that here the blood is used not for yourself but to protect others. So when we pray for our children, when we pray for our neighbors, when we pray for things, we can say, Lord, we proclaim your blood. We, we trust that your blood can protect them from the enemy until they themselves come to acceptance of you as Lord. You know, it's in our prayer, in our fighting, it's relying on the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, because it takes away all the rights of the enemy. Now, what more can I say with all these these witnesses? I want to, the last closing part, come to the point that is so needed for us, and that's that personal encounter for us, and for the people around us, a personal encounter with God, where God does a deep, deep work in our hearts. Hebrews 11 verse 17 says, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Now, I think too often we look at this from Abraham's side. And we think, wow, 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 wow. I mean, and this guy really brought an offer. I mean, I understand that. But have you ever looked at this from God's side? Have we ever realized? I mean, this started last night when when we were challenged. Even I think even on Wednesday night when Steve was challenging us, you guys, do you realize what God has for you? Do you realize God's thoughts for you? Do you realize the deep work God wants to do in every one of us? Do we realize that? You know, I had a quite a unique experience this week. In the days between the team time, I think I was traveling between Krugerstorp, for those who don't know South Africa, it's here on the West Rand and to Pretoria. It's about 45, 50 kilometers to my friends, my brother. And as I was driving, you know, I drove that road many times from my parents to the university. And I thought about 40 and more years ago,